call on the ice. Stands. We gotta go. Okay, colors. We are set to go. Let's roll, boys. Fine, let's get going. We are kicking. Here we go. Oh, guys, five minutes each for fighting. Watch the blue. Play the puck. We're not doing it. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Yeah, baby. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Josh, we've got our first hearing from the Department of Safety already. The players are in midseason form. It's awesome to see the players getting up to speed and player safety gets a chance to step into action here and kind of shake the rust off a little bit, brush off some of the dust and uh, issue a fine, a suspension. Who knows? And as some have suggested, grease up the wheel of suspension for the first spin of the year. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't, I don't want to get into trouble for calling it the wheel of justice. But yes, and <laughs> I know some folks feel that way and they entirely disregard all of the thought and effort and, and really practical work that goes into determining these suspension lengths. So uh, I'm, I'm going to stay on the league's good side and just say that a lot goes into it. Not necessarily just spinning a wheel. We don't always understand it, but you're right. A lot does go into it. This is the Scouting the Rest podcast. Please make sure you're following us on our social channels. You'll find Josh on X, formerly Twitter, and Instagram at Scouting the Rest. you get me at Todd Lewis Sports on both X and Instagram. On this week's episode, calling in outside help, as mentioned, our first hearing, accidental knee versus deliberate knee, and was it something I said? Ah, yes. There were there was one other incident that I wanted to bring up and make mention of. Unfortunately, I could not find any video evidence of this. I don't know if the game was televised or it was just a challenge, but it involved the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche. It was a hit from behind from Nate Plerman on Radic Faxa. Apparently, it was severe enough to warrant a major boarding penalty and a game misconduct, but I could find no video evidence of such hit. Yeah, unfortunately, it's, it's. I guess that's the nature of preseason. We don't have everything televised. We don't get to see every game that's out there. But egregious enough, apparently, for refs Tom Chmielewski and Mike Sullivan. New guy, hasn't made his NHL debut, but, but he's working plenty of games in the preseason to get up to speed. And whatever it was, I can assure you that these guys talked about it on the ice. Not even sure if there was a review, Todd. I know they have the ability to review the major penalties, but you know this is one of those moments when the officials are coming together to discuss it. And it's it's interesting to see. I'm, I'm curious, and I would have liked to have seen it, to see if the standard is a little tighter in preseason. It feels that way. It feels like they've been calling things to try to keep the nonsense out. But unfortunately, we don't get to look at this one firsthand. Uh, we did see some nonsense too, and we'll get into that in uh, just a little bit. Another game involving the Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. It was Hawks defenseman Alex Vlasic with a hit that I guess it was sort of deemed accidental. It was on Detroit's Elmer Soderblom. Soderblom skating out of the zone. He makes contact with Vlasic. It, it looks like he's trying to go around him. There's some knee-on-knee -knee contact. There was no penalty called in this particular instance. Even if it's accidental, I could see maybe a two-minute minor here. Yeah, I could. And I think that's where you look at the rule for kneeing. And it comes down to what was the guy intending on the play? What happened in this situation? And we don't see where the referees were. But on that play, you could see that linesman David Brisebois had a perfect look at it. So when it comes down to it with kneeing, it's based on the severity of the infraction. But in any case, if you're leading with your knee, if you're extending your leg outwards, 
it's a kneeing call there. And, and how bad it is really drives what happens from a penalty standpoint. But we do see plenty of situations where you have effectively incidental contact where you're lining up for a clean hit or situations where two players come together and there is knee-on-knee contact, but it wasn't necessarily the intent of either player to make that contact or they didn't stick their leg out and it just happened that in the course of their skating stride, we have the leg hitting the knee or vice versa. So it's it's a tough situation when you're trying to make that call, again, based on intent. But this one looked like incidental contact to me. I wouldn't be against a minor penalty just because of the way the contact happened, but I, I don't think there was anything more than that. Particularly tough for the officials because if a player at the last minute tries to alter their position, try to jump around a check, that's what makes the difficulty in terms of coming up with the intent or not. Yeah, and we've seen hits. I remember a few last year where you had a player, I think there was one with McDavid, where he tried to avoid a hit and ended up creating knee-on-knee contact on himself because he almost got out of the way. And the part that caught him was the opposing player's leg hitting his knee. So I think you have to look at that. You have to take that into consideration on how much of this is avoiding contact or an attempt to avoid contact that results in knee-on-knee. So it's, it's really one of those plays where you're trying to balance out what actually happened? What were they trying to have happened? And, and what was the outcome? All right. Let's, since we're talking about knees, dive into the one that has resulted in our first hearing with the Department of Player Safety this year. It's Arthur Kaliev of the LA Kings for knee-on-knee contact with Anaheim's Chase DeLeo. Kaliev was thumped by Radko Gudis, now of the Anaheim Ducks, skates into the Ducks defensive zone, delivers a knee-on-knee hit to DeLeo Kaliev, given a minor penalty for kneeing on this play. He has subsequently been informed that we'd like to have a little chat about it with the Department of Player Safety. I can absolutely 100% see a bit of a suspension coming for this. This one looked much more deliberate to me, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see on the play that as they're Coming together in the zone, Kaliev absolutely sticks out his left leg to ensure that contact is being made. And you mentioned it earlier, Todd, that sometimes you have a guy trying to avoid the hit, and sometimes it's instinctive for the hitter to try to move their body to follow to ensure that they're still making contact. And when you do that and it results in knee-on-knee contact, it's absolutely a knee and it, it follows the letter of the law here when it comes to leading with your knee or making contact with the opponent. Kaliev clearly did it. He deserved the penalty he got, and he'll get a fine or a suspension based on the hearing. But I think these are the the dangerous types of plays that we see can cause season-ending injuries and, and the types of things that you look at. Was it just the instinct of sticking your leg out? Were you trying to target the opposing player's knee? What What happened in these situations? And I'm curious to see how player safety will rule on this one. I have a feeling it's just going to be a fine. Uh, Kelly mm. has been fined before, never suspended, but I'd be okay with him sitting for a game for it. It's it's the dangerous type of play like this that can have a more disastrous outcome for the player on the receiving end. So I, I think one game for kneeing, I, I can live with that. I would absolutely condone such a penalty because as you mentioned, this this can have devastating effects on, well, actually both players, but yeah. the the victim in this case, could, could really suffer potentially a, a nasty injury. And it doesn't even have to be direct knee-on-knee contact. If you hit a player in the thigh and just make, make contact that way, it can have a serious effect. So yeah, I think that should be suspendable. 
yeah, we'll wait and see. I don't want to. I don't want to bring up the wheel of justice, Todd. But people are going to be thinking <laughs> that the wheels have had to spin, and uh, it's it's interesting though. You look back at suspensions that have happened over the past few years, and you see where have they issued a fine, when have they issued a suspension, and how long is it typically? It, it's really those obvious aggressive ones that that I would feel guarantee a suspension. I think some of the ones that are less intentional are or more reactive uh, typically fall into the fine and maybe one game and that's why i think we we end up with a fine for this one but it's uh it, it's not a wheel there are there are past no. decisions that are being made there's his history Calliope's previous fine and even some hits he's had before i remember a few where he had a dangerous hit i think it was on uh, mcdavid at center ice which looked like it was just two guys that didn't know where they were going ran into each other but you you try to look and player safety does that is this a guy who often delivers dangerous hits? Is he just on the side where he's avoided suspension before? Or was this an outlier? So they're taking that all into consideration and will be when they render their decision on what happens to Arthur Kaliev. Two quick things to close the book on this. One, Radko Gudis was not involved in the controversial hit. And two, <laughs> and two, whatever decision the Department of Player Safety makes, not everyone will be happy with. I think that we can... Absolutely. Clarity. Yeah, there's there's always going to be folks who are challenging it, questioning it, feeling like it's random, but a lot of thought does go into it. We talked about it last week as well. You, they're looking first, is this a suspendable offense, which I would say this falls into suspendable offense. They'll look at the degree of severity to say, should we be issuing a game? Should we be issuing more than one game? And then they consider the player's entire track record or history player safety suspensions, fines, and and everything outside of that. So they've got their formula. They're working through it right now. And uh, you're right, Todd. They'll, they'll get a decision that player safety is happy with. But no, not everybody else will necessarily agree. Undoubtedly. Everybody's trying to understand the rules better. And some teams we find go to great lengths to get more information, hopefully get more insight that helps them during the regular season. This is something that we have seen previously in the Columbus Blue Jackets are the latest team to have called in a guest instructor, if you will, to help them learn a little bit more about officiating and specifically challenging calls, when to challenge calls, and in specifics, goaltender interference. It's become difficult for some teams and some players and especially some fans to understand how it works. Lots of research into which calls get overturned and the Columbus Blue Jackets didn't have a particularly good record. So they called on a personal relationship between coach Pascal Vincent and Frederick Lecouillet to try to help them out. And I think this is good for Columbus to try to get this extra bit of info. I think it's smart. I mean, you're looking at taking goals off the board or potentially putting one back on because we do have challenges where you can challenge that there was no goaltender interference when your own team scored a goal and they can actually put a goal on the board and award one in those cases. So given how important coaches challenges are and the impact they can have, especially situationally in a game, absolutely great move by the Columbus Blue Jackets to tap on Lacouille to come and explain some things. Like you mentioned, they're not exactly the strongest team when it comes to coaches challenge for goaltender interference, but we see across the league, goaltender interference is usually around 50% when you look at success rates by teams. Offside, they they figured it out. They have a high, high accuracy rate there on getting those right. But goaltender interference still feels like a bit of a mystery. So I think it was a good move for them to not only do their research and the team pulled hours of video of goaltender interference situations from the past few years. And then they tapped Lacouille to come and try to explain it and really get into what makes this goaltender interference, what isn't goaltender interference, what can we get away with? And the Athletics' Aaron Portsline uh, did the reporting on this one, also noted that the Blue Jackets, which 
I, I can appreciate this. They look to see which referees made which call so they can kind of get a feel for how the officials on ice call it. But I, I would love to point out to them that the situation room makes the final ruling on all the goaltender interference situations. So it's not always up to the on ice officials, but good on them for, for tapping an expert in the area of goaltender interference to get like a, a better handle on what to expect. I'm wondering if the the league has any, I don't want to say reservations about officials participating in this manner, but I suspect there's got to be some sort of protocol that you would have to go through. It's not just, hey, I'm going to ring up the official and have them drop in and do a little seminar at the, at the training camp. There's probably a process you have to go through. I'm not suggesting anything nefarious, but it's just maybe there's a, a process that we should look at to, to get teams more information. In fact, I'll go a step further. I think the officials should make training camp tours. You should have a group visit each team during training camp. I think it's a phenomenal idea. I mean, you look at this and say, if I'm one of the other teams or if I'm competing against the Blue Jacks, so why did they get a ref? Why did, why did they get this kind of special treatment from the officials that I'd like to have too? I'd like my guys to have an official come in and explain goaltender interference or go through some things and why not offer it up to everybody? I think the training camp tour is a phenomenal one. I think you could have local officials because we know NHL referees and linesmen are spread out across North America. They're typically near major cities. So each team has officials within a short drive that it would be great to tap them and have them come in and go through. Here's what's changed for the year. Here's what we're enforcing this year. Do you guys have any questions? Because I know Stephen Walcom's going to want to keep a tight leash on what the standard is and making sure that everything's consistent. So you're right, Todd, there, there'd have to be some approval or, you know, an okay before a referee just decides to show up and start giving uh, advice to a team on <laughs> how do I better play within the rules? And yeah, we've yeah. Seen teams do it before too. I think, I believe the Toronto Maple Leafs had it. I know the New York Rangers had some linesmen help. Uh, Pierre Rassico, I believe helped the team when it came to faceoffs at one right, point. Right, right. So, it's not unprecedented for teams to do this, but uh, it, it does feel like if, if I'm a team who hasn't had this, I might be reaching out and saying, look, you need to help us out too. Well, and, and I guess that's where the, the protocol comes in. If, if they're asking the question, well, it's all you have to do is ask, then every team should be asking for this. You want, you want to try to find every advantage you can to help your team succeed. It's it's absolutely spot on. And coaches challenges, as the Columbus Blue Jackets have identified here, are huge and a big part of the game. But so are face offs, so are penalty calls. You know, why why stop at just one piece of it? And let's see what we can do. And and I think maybe this is a challenge for Welcome and the Department of Officiating in general of how can we get this type of knowledge out to everyone consistently? You know, let's let's put something out from the officials association to all the teams to say, here's some guys that are going to present. Uh, whether it's training camp tour, whether it's a virtual session with all the teams or representatives there, how can we put this out there? Because if there's knowledge to be gained and it's going to improve the game, let's let's share it more broadly. And share it with share, us while you're and at share it. the fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's the other part of it. So, okay. Uh, one more game situation that I want to get into before we wrap up this edition. It was a rather spirited game, as they are at times, between the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. There were some roughing penalties. There were some fights. There was a bunch of end of game misconducts. But there was one in particular that caught our attention. It was an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty issued to Tampa's Michael Isamont chasing down the puck and the official, I guess, got a little close to him on the play. And apparently Isamont didn't like that and expressed his displeasure. He got rung up for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. I had to watch this clip about 12 times before I figured out where the penalty was. 
Yeah, it's a little bit of a crazy one just because you're watching him come down and all of a sudden the ref's arm shoots up. So when you go back and look at it and you see that Luxmore's along the boards there, he's letting the puck go by, but Isomot right looking to take probably, <laughs> yeah, that's it, looking to take maybe a different angle on the play, maybe trying to get to the puck faster instead of going around Luxmore. He wanted to go through him and you can't do that. So uh, whatever words he shared, and we don't know what they were, right? Because it didn't come through, which... Man, if only they were mic'd up all the time. But we couldn't hear what was said. It was enough for Luxmore. And and maybe this is something that was just a preseason game and he wanted to set the tone. Or maybe there was some other chatter going on and these guys have been warned before. Without knowing what was said or what transpired previously, it's really hard to say whether or not it was a soft call. But hey, it's preseason. And, and now is probably a good time to set that standard that uh, at least TJ Luxmore is not going to tolerate whatever was thrown his way there by Isomot. And nor should he. I honestly, I think the officials put up with more than than they should. I understand they're probably just, you know what, I'll let it go and we'll just keep things running smoothly. But uh, I, I think clamping down a little bit on some of the lip that they get from players would be beneficial for everyone. Hey, we've seen it. Even Brad Marchand came out this year and talked about his interactions with officials and that they they have this, I wouldn't say of love-hate, it's it's almost a, a mutual respect out there, but he knows that they're out there doing their jobs and they'll, they'll give it to each other. But I will say most of the refs can uh, happily give it back as well as take it. It's just when you cross that line, when you go too far, and and I think most guys know where that is, or when you're trying to show up the official and really trying to to put it out there and embarrass them, I think that's where you, you have no choice but to, to pull a Luxmore there, shoot the arm up and send them off. And I think that is perhaps the best example of why those mic'd up features don't air immediately. There's a bit of a delay from the time that they are recorded and produced and released. I want them real time, Todd. We need real time <laughs> mic'd up officials. It's part of the game. Let's just put it out there. Yeah. I'll, I'll the even I'll even pay. <laughs> Get in the box. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the show at heyref at scoutingtherefs.com. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. That's good play.